This is Bedside, a podcast series on a mission to debunk sex. I'm your host, Tatiana, and each week we'll uncover stories, ideas, routines, and expert information to help guide you on your ever-evolving journey of good sex. We believe that through democratizing sexual wellness, we can shift cultural taboos and make way for authentic and limitless access to pleasure, joy, and connection to the body. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bedside Podcast. I hope we are off to a lovely week. I'm so excited to have you here and listening today. I'm very thrilled about this episode that I've got lined up for you. I have been dying to get into this topic, and when I found Camille, I knew she was the one to have on the show to get into the ins and outs of hormonal and adult acne. This is something that I personally have dealt with in my life. I found that I got acne later in life, similar to Camille's story, which you'll hear. And I felt like I needed to know more of the answers around this because I've always believed that there has been a deeper root cause, as we all know. And I wanted to get Camille on here to chat all things wellness routines and of course, nutrition. I'm so excited to introduce you to Camille Garagas, who is a certified integrative health practitioner for ClearStem. You might be familiar with the San Diego Acne Clinic and ClearStem skincare products. They're really renowned for what they do for acne, for cystic acne. And she is their acne nutritionist specializing in how you can clear your skin from the inside out. So today on Bedside, we're getting into the ins and outs of hormonal acne. We are talking about the causes of it, what it looks like, why it happens, how potentially stress impacts our skin, what the microbiomes and guts influence is on it, as well as our food, what we're eating, our blood sugar balances, Camille's tips and tricks and protocols for how we should be eating, what we should be eating, what we should be eliminating or adding to our plates, and of course, all the needle movers around things for better skin. As I say in our recording, I selfishly needed to hear everything that Camille was sharing, and I hope that this helps you as well on your own journey. So with that said, please welcome Camille to the Bedside Podcast. Camille, I'm so excited to have you on the Bedside Podcast today. So first and foremost, a super warm welcome. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. I was just saying off air, like I'm so selfishly excited for this conversation. And so many listeners have written in kind of requesting this topic. So I was like, why not? Let's get into it. We have never discussed this on the podcast before. I actually even had, um, and we'll get to it in later on the segment, um, I had a bunch of listeners write in some questions that they've been really curious to get answered. So today we're really talking all about hormonal acne, adult acne, diet, diets around acne. What got you started on this journey? What is your story to becoming kind of this acne guru that you are? Obviously, I dealt with acne pretty much my whole life. So I was pretty fortunate to not have too terrible of skin when I was in high school. Um, it, it did start in high school, but it was more just like 
pimples, you know, like that normal puberty breakouts, nothing too bad, but it just kind of got increasingly worse as I got older. So I graduated high school. I grew up in San Francisco, California, that area. Then I moved down to San Diego for college and my skin started to get much worse at that point. I started breaking out like it was totally different from the just pimples I was getting as a teenager. And it was more cystic, deeper breakouts, more inflamed. And for me, it was all around the like chin, jawline, um, cheeks a little bit, and sometimes even down my neck. But from like the eyes up, like I didn't have anything on my nose or forehead, like it was super clear. And I mean, for context in college, lifestyle wise, I mean, I was drinking a lot. I really didn't know anything about nutrition. I thought I did, but I was just kind of like crash dieting. And I think I mentioned this, but I came to college in San Diego and everyone in Southern California is like beautiful, you know? So it was really hard for me mentally and emotionally. And I'm also Um, I tend to be a little bit more on the introverted side. So having, I just felt like everyone was only staring at my acne all the time. And it seemed like everywhere I looked, everyone else had clear skin and I was the only one that was really struggling. And I was really trying to be intentional about working out and drinking water. And I mean, all my friends would tell me, you're my healthiest friend. And So there was this disconnect for me where I was like, I feel like I'm doing everything right, but like my friends over here can stay up and party all night, not sleep and have perfectly clear skin. And if I only get like six hours of sleep, my skin is a complete mess. So that like mental, emotional side of it was really, really challenging for me. And I tried to get help when I was in college. I went to several different dermatologists just through um, my, my healthcare And I remember going to one specific dermatologist when my skin was at its worst, like just super inflamed. I had by this point tried different birth controls, antibiotics, a slew of different prescription creams. I mean, I can't even remember all of it now, but every single thing I was prescribed up until that point didn't work really at all and pretty much seemed to make it worse. So I was super discouraged. You know, I was like, I feel like, and by that point I'd been dealing with acne for probably like five or six years. And so I just didn't really see a way out. I'm like, I'm just going to go from having horrible acne to being old. And I'm not going to have any time in between of like actually liking my skin. But at that dermatologist appointment, I had done some cursory research. I was just Googling things, you know, whenever you have a health issue, you're like, "Hmm, what could this be? And I was finding information online about how dairy could have a connection to acne. And I was finding a lot of this. So I was like, oh, I'll just ask the dermatologist. And in that appointment, she, I asked her, I'm like, could what I'm eating have any impact on my skin? I've been reading about dairy and how that could impact acne. And she just straight up said, nope, there's no evidence to support that. She was trying to prescribe me Accutane and really wasn't listening at all to me or to any of my symptoms. And I was just like, I'm not being heard. And I think this sentiment is really common in the health space where, and it's not really the fault of the doctor. It's really the fault of the system of how it's set up, but you really just feel like in and out, you're not really, there's no like human component to it. They're they're just trying to get through as many appointments as they can and prescribe you something and send you on your way. And health issues 
especially acne and, and other, you know, lots of other chronic health issues are really mentally and emotionally challenging. And when you go to your doctor, you expect some type of kind of support in that way. So I just felt really dismissed and like I was not being heard. And after that appointment, this was like my junior year of college, I decided from that point forward, I was going to try to figure this out on my own and started researching other dermatologists and and stuff like that. Came across the San Diego Acne Clinic, which is a holistic dermatology center pretty much. And I was like, oh, this seems great. I had no idea. Like This is in my neighborhood. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I had no clue there was such a thing as an acne clinic. Like that's exactly what I need. Um, But you know, I was a broke college student. I um, wasn't making any money. So when I then graduated from college, I was like, the first thing I'm investing in is my skin. And so I made an appointment at the San Diego Acne Clinic. And that's when I met Danielle, who is the CEO and co-founder of ClearStem Skincare. This was in 2018. So it was when ClearStem was just starting. They only had their one flagship product, which is the Cell Renew Serum. And I think they were like manually bottling it themselves and, and selling it. And the packaging looked totally different. Like it looked like a t- totally different brand. Um, but in that first appointment I had with Danielle, she met with me for like two and a half, three hours. We went through all the products that I was using. She educated me on what pore clogging ingredients are, which I had never heard of in my life. You know, I was just using whatever drugstore brands I could really afford that said they were good for me. And obviously none of that worked. We went through like supplements that I was taking and how that could be impacting my skin and my skin's oil production had never heard of that. Uh, We went over diet and she did a full like extraction facial on me, which, wow, that was intense because my skin was so bad at that point. I think it peeled for like two weeks afterwards. But that really was the catalyst of me on the path to clearing my skin. And that's kind of how I got here. (laughs) I found myself in that. I'm sure so many people listening are like, yes, I've been there. Um, I was reflecting as you were talking about struggling with drugstore products. And it's so interesting because I feel like when we were coming of age, there wasn't like the beauty of right now is that skincare is like a thing, right? But like 15 years ago, whenever, even five years ago, the market was such a different place. I was just like looking at these like Neutrogena or like, I don't know, these like terrifying, like horrible exfoliating scrubs we'd use even as teenagers, like clean and clear. Oh my God. Oh, I know. Or the or the grapefruit scrub. Oh yeah. Like St. Ives. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like the products. It's so triggering. So I'm just like, thank thank God the market has shifted in so many different ways. But I, I really empathize with your story of, and we talk about it a lot here in terms of like, Um, finding practitioners that work for you and really advocating for that because there's no worse feeling than walking into a doctor's office, whether it's for your skin, whether it's for your sexual health, whether it's for your general health, like, and just being dismissed. It's an awful feeling. So I love that you just continued because I think a lot of people will stop short. It's true. And sometimes, I mean, you don't know where to go. Like I'm lucky enough to live in San Diego in Southern California where holistic health and kind of alternative um, options are pretty widely available if you 
kind of know where to look or or you just do some digging. But I know a lot of other parts of the country and world, it's just not as widely accessible. Um, so I do feel fortunate for for that, for sure. And to be able to do the work I'm doing now where my practice is all virtual. So I'm able to support women from from all over the world, which is really great. I love it. Okay. My question for you is really about and and I know there's so many different pillars here and I would love for you to break down like what are the different causes for adult acne? Like is there is it just one thing? Is it multiple things? Like I'd kind of love to get like a high level understanding of of what it is. Yeah, that's a great question. So with acne, it's it's never just one thing. I think so often we want that silver bullet or we're like, what is it? What's the specific thing that's going to help me? And there's no specific thing. (laughs) Like usually by the time that you have a physical symptom popping up, whether it's chronic acne, chronic migraines, sleep issues, like it's probably been years in the making of health issues going on. And then it all coming to a head. And now you have this, this symptom that you have to, to kind of deal with. Um, but the main things that I, that I think of when I think of adult acne and just what I see in my practice is products. So pore clogging ingredients, like I mentioned, that's a huge one. And sometimes just cleaning up what you use for your skincare and makeup does, you know, wonders for the skin. Then there's the internal piece, which is what I really emphasize in my practice. So that's what is your diet like? And also like water intake and just like the basic foundations of health, blood sugar, like how does that look? And then like, how are the organs functioning? So your gut, gut health is paramount when it comes to to skin. If you're dealing with any type of digestive issues, that often is linked back or that will be reflected in your skin. If your body's not digesting, assimilating nutrients properly, that can can be reflected in your skin. And then also detoxification. So if your liver isn't functioning optimally, which most of most of ours are not, that can show up as acne as well. And really all those pieces are are connected because let's say you're using like toxic products with pore clogging ingredients that's getting absorbed into your bloodstream. Your liver has to process that. Or let's say, you know, your diet is really high in processed foods with different chemicals and fillers and sugar and stuff like that. That's putting a big toll on your liver. And then there's just the environmental factor too. I mean, we can't escape it. Like the exhaust from cars, the contamination in our in our water supply, you know, drinking water, shower water, all of that. And then just general air pollution. It's like there's so many things that that our liver has to process on a daily basis. And yes, your liver is constantly working to detox your body, but it needs help. And so many of us have nutrient deficiencies as well. And for the liver to properly do all the steps of detoxification, you need to have just proper nutritional balance, B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, so many of these things that we just can't get in our diet these days because of the industrialization and the farming practices of today and just food generally and our soil not not having enough nutrients to be able to sustain us and our and our processes. And we're seeing this um, play out in so many ways. I mean, this is even connected to mental health issues, sleep issues, anxiety, depression, stress, like it's all connected. And so we have to kind of take that I feel like I'm on a tangent now, but like that whole systems approach 
to, to healing. And I mean, everything that I just mentioned can contribute to, to acne. And if you have that genetic predisposition to acne, um, just having that gene isn't enough for the acne to manifest in functional medicine or alternative health. We say your genetics load the gun, but your environment toxins, all that pulls the trigger. So there needs to be that like storm of, you know, all those other factors that I mentioned would lead you to have acne if you have that, that genetic predisposition. That makes complete sense. And like, I've heard that a lot for like, like different things, even with mental health, like it's just like that storm, that perfect storm that's going to kind of like set things off. I am really loving how you mentioned so many different categories, because like going back to that, like original derm you went to, like, they're just almost putting that like prescription on you as like a band-aid, but it's not really getting to maybe what that actual sources. And it's not their fault, you know, dermatologists, because they're like, if you have skin cancer or like a mole you need removed or something like that, go to the dermatologist. They they know exactly what they're doing, but they're not trained in nutrition and root cause health when it comes to chronic skin conditions. So the same way you wouldn't go to your primary care doctor to really help you if you had diabetes, since that's a chronic inflammatory health issue. You wouldn't go to your conventional dermatologist for acne, a chronic inflammatory health issue. You need someone who's going to take that root cause approach. Mm, That's like a really great distinction to make because yes, we are not downing, like we love derms. Yeah, there's a time and place. (laughs) There's a time and place, right. Um, Okay, so you mentioned hormones and I'm curious where that comes into the equation. I kind of tying in my own narrative here, I dealt with like really crazy acne when I went off the pill for birth control. And I had always had like pretty, I would say standard acne, nothing deep and cystic or chronic. It was just like, oh, pimple here or there. I could kind of point to the cause. But when I went off birth control, it went crazy. So I'm curious, like, where does, where do our hormones come into this equation? Yeah, I would say, I mean, hormones are a huge piece of the puzzle. And I think a lot of people kind of use that as a scapegoat. They're like, oh, I have hormonal acne. There's really nothing that can be done. And there's always something, there's always something that can be done. (laughs) And I see that all the time with coming off of birth control because effectively the, the pill, and I wish this was talked about more when doctors are prescribing it, but it shuts off the communication between your brain and your ovaries. And they tell you, oh, it mimics your body's natural hormone production. And that's a lie. (laughs) It definitely does not. Um, So then when you come off of it, like, your natural hormones have been suppressed for 5, 10, 15, 20 years. You know, a lot of women are just on it for the majority of their adult lives. So when you come off of it, like there's this rebound effect where estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, cortisol, like everything is impacted um, from that change. And there's a whole like slew of different symptoms that can pop up from that. But yes, hormones are such a big piece. You did mention cortisol. And I think I really want to emphasize that because cortisol imbalance can be honestly one of the factors that is contributing to all of those other hormones being being out of balance. So 
for those who don't know, cortisol is your body's stress hormone. So it's naturally supposed to spike around like 6 to 8 a.m. And then it gradually falls throughout the day and kind of levels out by around like 9 or 10 p.m. when most people are kind of going to sleep. But in today's world with technology, people staying staying up late to get work done, insomnia, just we're so over-caffeinated, so, so many factors that cortisol curve is getting thrown way out of whack. And so many of us are in this constant state of fight or flight because of that. There's two different pathways that your hormones can take when, when they're being produced. They can go either down the cortisol pathway or to DHEA, which is one of the like basically the mother hormone of the sex hormones. That's where estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, other, your other androgen hormones come from. And if you are constantly stressed, your body is like, we need to, you need to fight the tiger. So that hormone production is going straight to cortisol and not enough is going towards DHEA. And you'll see those sex hormones all be really, really low. Wait, are those sex hormones, are you talking about like, like even like your libido? Does it affect like? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Because stress, I mean, and I feel like stress is talked about so much in the holistic or alternative health space, but that's because it's it's so important. If you're in that stressed state, I mean, so many things get impacted. Yeah, that's shutting down your because if you are chronically stressed, go, go, go all the time, your body doesn't care about libido. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't care about digestion. It's like no time to procreate. We're fighting a tiger. <laughs> yeah. Like you don't, none of all of those secondary functions are virtually shut down because all that hormone production is going towards cortisol. Wow. So that's always where I start with people because almost everyone, I mean, every single client actually that I've had their cortisol is way out of whack. Another piece to that though, is the liver health that I, that I mentioned at the beginning, because the liver is responsible for metabolizing, activating, and sending hormones into the bloodstream to do their functions. And so if the liver isn't functioning optimally, you're not going to have proper hormone balance either. So starting with normalizing out cortisol and supporting the liver and the gut, that, I mean, that's all kind of one system. You have to start there before you're like, you know, if you go to your conventional doctor, maybe they'll say, oh, you know, here's some synthetic estrogen to take, or just take this birth control. This will help you. And that's just putting a bandaid on the situation and, and not really fixing it for good. It's funny you mentioned the liver because to me, I'm like, oh, like, liver, it just processes like alcohol. Like I should be good. Like I'm not drinking that much, but like, it's so crazy to hear all of the ways that even a topical is needing to be processed. So, I mean, I can't even imagine like how out of whack all of our like livers mm -hmm. must be. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's so crazy. Okay, let's talk about stress. I'm just going to make kind of like an overarching claim. I'm sure like all of our cortisol is a little bit out of whack. So what are ways yeah. that we can begin <laughs> tackling that? What does that kind of like look like for you? How do you prescribe people to go through kind of healing that? It can be tough because it's more lifestyle related than, you know, a lot of people are like, what can I eat or what supplement can I take? And it's like, let's just start with the basics. Like walk me through your daily routine and let's see where there's 
room for improvement there? Like, are you waking up and immediately grabbing your phone and scrolling through Instagram or answering emails? That's putting you into, into fight or flight state. Do you just like wake up, jump out of bed and just start chugging coffee? (laughs) That's gonna, that's gonna spike your cortisol as well. So um, it totally depends on the person. And I'd like to meet people exactly where they are and just give them bite-sized baby baby steps to start building off of. But in terms of just like generally regulating cortisol, I'd say give yourself at least 30 minutes in the morning of no technology. Just like get up. I love that. Drink some water, maybe meditate. Honestly, it's a game changer. Um, and then what meditations do you do Joe Dispenza? I haven't experimented with his too much, but I do love him as a person and in, in all his teachings. Yeah. But yeah, big fan of big fan of meditating and then making sure you're, you're eating enough. I think, especially with women, I see this all the time. And, and if you're, if you're chronically stressed too, your appetite's probably being suppressed. So one of the big things that I recommend is in order to be able to like digest food and and drop the body into that like rest and digest state because you cannot be stressed and properly digest food at the same time it's just not going to happen so i always recommend when anyone's sitting down to have a meal put the computer away put the phone away and just focus on eating for that 15 20 minutes whatever it is before you start eating i always recommend taking just like three deep belly breaths because that is a really quick way to just decompress right there in that moment. That's huge. That's huge. I mean, we always had this running joke, like back when I lived in New York and we weren't all like work from home or anything anymore. Um, we'd always be like, everybody's just eating their like sad desk salad, like just like at their desk, like on their computer, like just so miserable. So Okay, I'm glad to hear that we are you are not pro sad desk salad. I know. I mean that is if that's not the epitome of of our generation. Yeah. Um <laughs> but I mean I'm totally guilty of that too. Like I know sometimes things get stressful and life gets in the way and it's not about being perfect. It's it's just about being mindful of those things and doing doing your best. And I think too often we just like start our day and it's just go 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 yes. until we get home and like are then starving and stuff our faces for dinner. So I, I'm a big fan of creating what I call decompression pockets within your day. So whether it's like five to 10 minutes at lunchtime, or maybe you don't have time at lunch, it's it's in the afternoon of just like taking a break for a minute, like going for a walk, doing some breath work, literally just sitting in silence for a few minutes. Those things are huge for resetting cortisol and the body's stress response. So those are just, yeah, those are a few things I would say that are like easy, actionable. And honestly, if you put those things in practice, I know it seems really simple, but you notice a world of difference. Oh my God. This is like so valuable. I'm obsessed. I love decompression pockets. That sounds incredible. Like I'm already like, so here we do something called the pleasure practice where it's just like where in your schedule and in your day, can you find like five minutes, 30 minutes, however much time of just like pleasure of joy. And I, but I love reframing it almost like decompression pockets. Like where can you just find a moment to just relax, like let go and, and I totally agree with you. Like, it's actually not about like the big grand gesture of I have to release my cortisol and I have to do something so big to rebound from this. It's just the small micro changes. 
Totally. Yeah. It really doesn't need to be this huge, big thing. Like you mentioned, it's, it's really just the little, what, what we do in, in the micro moments every single day. I love it. I myself am trying so hard to not be the person who reaches for my phone in the morning. Um, I found that it was at one point just like helping me wake up. I'd be like, oh, I'm just going to grab my phone. It kind of helps me just like, but it <laughs> really was just that cortisol spike. And, and I realized I was like, okay, we need to maybe not do this. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's hard. I know the phones. I mean, I struggle too. Valentine's Day is fast approaching and I have the best gift for you and your lover. It's the Mindful Intimacy Card Game Deck by Wanderlust. You've heard me say it many times before, I am obsessed with this game and that is why it's ranking number one as my top Valentine's Day gift. It is perfect for date nights, it's perfect for quality time, it's easy to play and you get to learn more about yourself, your relationship, your sexual desires with the guided prompts that are in this game and it makes it so easy and fun to do so. There are 138 prompts and action cards divided into two levels based on sex therapy principles and it's therapist approved. Wanderlust is offering bedside listeners an exclusive discount code when you head to wanderlust.co backslash bedside and use the discount code bedside at checkout. That's wanderlust.co backslash bedside using the discount code bedside, B-E-D-S-I-D-E. Have you ever wondered what your therapist is thinking about during a session or have you wondered about their own love and sex life? On Safe Word, two therapists, Casey and Camille, answer listener-submitted questions about their sex, relationships, and identity while sharing their own messy stories along the way. Not only do you get a peek into the inner lives of therapists, Safe Word is a reminder that we are all beginners when it comes to queer relationships. They cover topics such as new relationship energy, breakups, trauma, guilty pleasures, and relationship conflict. Find Safe Word, that's one word, wherever you find podcasts, including Spotify, Amazon Music or Apple Podcasts. To have your questions read on SafeWord, go to their bio at SafeWordPod or at Queer Sex Therapy's Instagram page. SafeWord is sex therapy unhinged. You mentioned blood sugar and this hits home for me because I'm someone who like traditionally I I really need to eat like every three hours. Like I'm someone who like I just I function better if there are snacks in my purse or my bag wherever I go. Like I just am a happier, healthier person when I do that. But um, I struggle and I think a lot of people do too because like you said, you know, the day gets busy. You're like, oh my God, I, I don't. I don't have time for lunch. You eat a really late lunch or maybe sometimes you skip it and then eat, end up eating like a crazy dinner or whatever. So tell me more about like how we can get better about blood sugar and also like how it contributes to our skin health. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. And again, this is another kind of foundational piece that I always start with with clients um, because if if blood sugar is is dysregulated, I mean, not only are you on just like an energy roller coaster all day where you're feeling like, okay, you have energy and then you hit that afternoon crash and you're like, oh my God, I need caffeine or like, I don't feel good. I'm dizzy, whatever it is. Um, That's also really impacting your skin and just inflammation in general. And if you're, if you have that general state of inflammation in the body, it's, it's going to be reflected in your skin, especially if you have 
that genetic predisposition to, to acne. It's going to change the way that your body um, produces oil, which again, big, big contributor to acne. Um, so you, you have to start there. And I think one of the, the biggest ways to, to keep blood sugar balanced, it's really not that, not that difficult, but it's, it's, it's dependent on the person. And there's so many other factors that go into, uh, sensitivity to sugar and blood sugar balance totally depends on the person, age, demographic, even ethnicity, all these things, but just some like tips on how to, to get that balanced. I mentioned before, make sure you're eating enough. I think the reason that so many of us get really hungry throughout the day or feel like we need those snacks is because we're not actually eating enough at each meal. Maybe we're just having like a, a banana for breakfast on the go or a, a protein bar. And I know there's kind of this like calorie number that gets thrown around, especially for, for women. It's like, you can't survive off 1200 calories a day. And so many women try try to do that. And that's literally what like a 10 year old child should be eating. So if you're, if you're only eating that much, like your body's starving, um, first of all, and if you're not eating enough, blood sugar is going to be all over the place. So focusing on getting like three good sized meals per day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner that have a balance of protein, carbs, and fat. That is really key. Making sure you're getting around like I'd say at least 20 grams of protein with each meal and some healthy fat in there. So a lot of people will just like if you're having a smoothie for breakfast and you're just putting like berries, you're doing some type of nut milk and I don't know, ice and you're basically making a fruit smoothie. That's pretty much all carb and there's nothing wrong with carbs at all. Women need carbs. Like you, you, you need them with every, with every meal I'd say pretty much, but the problem comes when you don't have that, those other nutrients to balance it out and that just straight carbs, that's, that's a big spike to your blood sugar and won't, it won't keep you full either. And so if you're noticing like you eat and then you're hungry again, like an hour, hour and a half later, that's a sign blood sugar is dysregulated. Yeah. If you don't eat, if you're one of those people that, that needs to eat every three hours, and if you don't, you feel kind of like dizzy or lightheaded, that's a sign blood sugar is dysregulated. Um, also, if you have insomnia, trouble sleeping, those, yeah, energy crashes, like I mentioned, those are all telltale signs that blood sugar needs to, to be looked at. Like I fall culprit to this all the time. Like I'll just like whip together, like you said, a quick smoothie or a quick salad. And I'm not being as mindful about like putting in protein or like putting in a healthy fat. And I'm like, okay, whatever. And it suffices for maybe lit probably an hour. Like if I'm being real, like literally an hour later, I'm like back in the kitchen. Like, what am I doing here? Um, and I feel like that's where then I get in trouble. Cause then I go for the other, like maybe like more processed food. Cause I just need some, like, and I feel like that's where I start making like maybe not as intentional decisions. So I love that piece of advice, just being like, okay, like how can we just add more? It's like not about taking anything away. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid to like fuel your body, like give your body the nutrients that it needs. Like, so I, yeah, again, so many of us are under eating and that's causing so many problems. Blood sugar just being one of them, you know? And so does blood sugar just like, how does that directly affect the skin? So it, it changes the way that your, that your skin's going to produce oil. Like, oh, 
I won't be able to speak to like the exact like scientific mechanisms of this. Um, but that's just like more, it's more glucose in, in the bloodstream that, that should be getting shuttled into the, into the cells. But if there's too much of it, that's, that's not effectively, that's not effectively happening. Um, and you may not like visibly notice a change in the oil production of your skin, but for sure you'd notice more breakouts. Um, if that's, if that's something that's going on. I, right at the beginning of this interview, you mentioned dairy was a really big component for you. And I know we hear a lot about dairy. People are like, don't eat dairy if you have acne. But I'm wondering, A, is that true? And B, what are the kind of ingredients or big culprits we should maybe be looking out for when it comes to our skincare? So dairy is one of the biggest acne triggers, 100%. It's because cows in our industrialized world, the way that they're raised, most of it is factory farming, meaning that there's a bunch of cows really close together and they're just really in it for the profit. So they're pumping those cows full of fake hormones. They're feeding them GMO corn and other things that are going to fatten them up so they can get the most meat possible out of them. And so these animals are sick when they're producing milk or getting the dairy from these cows, it has to go through what's called a pasteurization process. It has to go through that because these animals are sick. And if it didn't, you could probably get tuberculosis or like some of these other issues that these cows have. But in that, in that process of basically it's like cleaning the milk, but it also filters out all of the enzymes and like 80% of the vitamins and minerals that are naturally found in milk. And regular milk from a healthy cow is extremely healthy. I mean, you have, that's a full, um, well-rounded food. You have protein, carbs, fats, you've got those enzymes in there, good amino acids, but conventional milk and dairy going through that pasteurization process, you don't have any of that. And because they're pumped full of fake hormones, it has a really high amount of what's called IGF-1, insulin growth factor one. And this hormone, when you ingest it directly negatively impacts your body's hormonal production. And then you'll notice one of the telltale signs to, to see if dairy isn't a culprit for your acne is you'll notice breakouts, probably like deeper, more cystic ones kind of on your chin area, like jawline by your mouth, like that area of the face is, is where you'll see, see breakouts the most. But dairy isn't isn't all bad, you know, if you're getting it from the farmer's market and it's raw, unpasteurized, which again, you kind of have to be careful with too, because that you have to be sure that those cows were very healthy and pasteurized and all of that. Like for me, my my body tolerates raw dairy totally fine. I don't have a dairy allergy, but so many of us have developed dairy allergies because of the conventional dairy that we've been eating for so long, but it's not a trigger for everybody. Like I have some clients where they can tolerate dairy pretty much okay, but gluten is the big thing for them. Um, and when we remove gluten, then, then their skin starts to heal. So it's all about finding the trigger for you and I mean, the best way to do that is to just remove the, the food from your diet for like a month to six weeks and see if you notice any change. That's so interesting. Okay. So it's also kind of just about figuring out like what sets your system off, what's inflaming your system. For example, I have a soy allergy. So I'd assume like if I, oh my God, that journey to finding out I had a soy allergy was 
the most amazing thing ever because I was like sweet relief um yeah my whole body was so inflamed um so do you have to kind of like do a elimination diet almost to be able to figure out what that specific trigger is pretty much so I mean for most clients I just suggest removing dairy and gluten right out the gate if they haven't already a lot of people already have because they've noticed they feel better when they don't eat those things um but if you haven't I I do start there and I just remove it all in the beginning just because those things are so inflammatory for most people and then I say you know once we get your gut and your inflammation down and and just your body internally in a better space, you can experiment with adding those things back in. But while we're doing a healing protocol, I always recommend removing those things. Same with soy. That's interesting that you mentioned that because uh, that's another one that's a big trigger for a lot of people because it's in so many things. Yeah. My story is crazy. I studied abroad in London and this is like, I, I, just have never liked milk, real milk that much. Um, And they weren't quite yet on like the almond and oat milk trend when I was there. So it was soy milk. And I was having these soy lattes like every single day. And um, then I was eating like all of this tofu with all their amazing like curries and all this stuff. And like, I just totally developed this crazy intolerance, which has kind of gotten a little better but it was really severe for a while I was like oh my god I am pumping myself with soy and estrogen and all of this stuff oh my gosh um I'm curious to know and I know every food protocol is different for each client but like will you give us an example of what that looks like for you in your skincare routine it's not and I say this to like listeners being like this isn't something that you should be following because this is unique to Camille, but I'd love to kind of get an understanding of what has shifted for you and what works for you right now. For sure. So do you want just kind of like an average day in the life of eating for, <laughs> for, for, yeah, acne? yeah. Okay. For sure. So I think breakfast is really difficult sometimes for people that, that struggle with skin issues because another big trigger can be eggs Um, specifically egg whites have, um, a type of protein called albumin that is notoriously difficult to digest and break down. It's, it's a very, very common food sensitivity. So, you know, if you can't have eggs and you're trying to balance your blood sugar and you're like, what do I eat for breakfast? You know, that's going to be like satiating. So I'm a big fan. I kind of rotate between oatmeal and smoothies, but Again, like I mentioned, I'm making sure that I'm having um, a full balanced meal with protein, carbs, and fat because smoothies can can be really high in carb and same with oatmeal if you don't balance it out. So something that I've actually been doing lately, one of my friends showed me this because it's hard to get like protein. I mean, oats do have a little bit of protein. You know, sometimes you see like those bodybuilders or fitness people like mixing two giant scoops of protein powder in with their oats. And I'm like, that's not going to taste good. And I've tried it and it's terrible. It's horrible. (laughs) Yeah. So I found a workaround though. um, And I'm obsessed with it. So I just make the oats. I usually put in 
cinnamon. Sometimes I'll do some nuts and seeds like chia flax. Um, that right there will get you some good fats as well. And sometimes berries just for those micronutrients, you know, berries are really, really high in antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. So love to get those in, in the morning as well. And then for the protein piece. So I'll take a scoop of protein powder, definitely plant-based. So whey protein, if anyone that doesn't know, cause it took me a long time to learn this whey protein is milk-based that comes from milk. And that is a big no, no. So plant-based protein powder. The one that I've been loving is called sprout living. I really like their vanilla flavor. And I know people will come after me because it does have a little bit of sugar, but for me, like taste is paramount. Like I, I will trade a little bit of sugar if it's going to taste good. Cause so many protein powders taste like garbage. So I've been using the sprout living vanilla protein. I put one scoop in a bowl and then I do like a tablespoon of either like a nut butter or sunflower butter, something like that. And then a little bit of water. And I just mix it until it makes this like paste almost. And it actually tastes really good. My, my friend that created it calls it like protein fluff. So I'll just do that. And then I put that on top of the oats. Okay. So, so. you're making that like separately. So you're doing like the, yeah. the powder, the nut butter and a little water making uh-huh. the protein fluff and putting it on top. Oh, that's amazing. Yep. Yeah, I, I love. put it on top. You got to try it. So good. okay, done. And I love <laughs> oats because there's so many different combinations you can do, like different fruits you can add or different nut seeds. Like you could even do like coconut, dark chocolate, something like that. I love doing that in the winter. So that's breakfast. If I do a smoothie again, I'm making sure I'm getting like some greens in there, like spinach, because you can't really taste it. Uh, good protein powder and yeah, some type of nut butter, or you could do coconut butter, coconut oil. If you want to do like more tropical flavors, that would be good too. And then I try to make that like a pretty filling meal. So I don't need a snack before lunch. Lunch and dinner always look pretty similar. It's, you know, some type of carb, either like a white rice, maybe quinoa, sweet potato, regular potato, always organic, whatever veggies I'm feeling. I try to get like two to three different vegetables in there. Again, for those, those micronutrients, veggies are especially like dark leafy greens, really, really high in vitamins and minerals. So try to get at least two to three cups of greens a day. And then whatever protein I'm feeling, you know, I, I totally eat meat. So many people are like, you're vegan, aren't you? And I'm like, no. Do I give off vegan vibes? I guess I do. Um, but no, I literally eat everything. I've never been a picky eater. So sometimes it's chicken. Sometimes I'll do like some type of sausage or um, a good like ground beef, Yum. ground beef with liver. Sometimes I do because liver is one of the liver is literally a superfood when it comes to vitamins and minerals. It's like got all the amino acids you need, all your B vitamins pretty much. Um, so I try to incorporate that a few times a week. Yeah. Lots of salmon too, for good omega-3s. I eat salmon probably three to four times a week, always wild caught, making sure you're getting like the highest quality when it comes to protein. So grass-fed, pasture-raised, if it's beef or chicken um, or pork, um, try to kind of stay away from pork just because it's higher in um, omega-6 fats, but lots of salmon and water constantly throughout the day. I love that. I'm like, I need to be drinking more water. I already know it. Like I try to, I have the big hydro flask, but I'm like, I need to get better about it. Um, I love too that you mentioned like getting good meat. For me, that's always been something that I've really prioritized and like splurged on. Like I'd rather spend, I'd, I'd rather eat less of it, but get more high quality for when I'm eating meat. But yeah, thank you for sharing your of course, pro- your food protocol. This is so, <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> insightful. Um, and yeah, I I don't ever want to like come on the podcast because like we don't like hear 
like believe in diet. Like I, there's like, I think diet culture for like weight loss can be so complicated. Um, but really like this is exciting to me because I always love the concept of like an addition mindset, like just like what more can I add here for my health? Like it's not about taking away um, or limiting. It's more, I don't know. It's, it's so interesting. Like our food culture is just, it's become so hyper-processed. It's become this crazy beast. And, you know, I'll even catch myself being like, oh my God, I've just like, I've had so much processed food and it's not even, it's just because it's what's accessible and what's in your face. So it's almost... I kind of like the idea of almost just recalibrating it. Like nothing's a bad thing. You know, nothing is something you shouldn't have or shouldn't eat. It's more just like, okay, like let's recalibrate here and like change our ratios. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big believer in, unless you're, you know, working through some type of healing protocol where like you really need to stay away from gluten for a period of time. I'm like, everything in moderation. And there's just foods that are more healthy and less healthy. Nothing is good or bad. There's no moral component to it. And as soon as you say, okay, I'm allowed to have everything um, when I feel like it and in moderation, that's when things really open up from from a diet perspective. Because when you're like, oh, I'm not allowed to have X, then you start thinking about it all the time. Um, and, and when you naturally like shift to that more like whole foods, um, lots of good fruits, veggies, like seasonal, um, things and, and having that proper blood sugar balance in each meal, um, you naturally crave less of the quote unquote bad or less healthy foods, you know? So yeah, I, I say no to diet culture for sure. I heard someone somewhere and I loved how they said it. I can't remember where it was from. They were like, just re it's about retraining your taste buds. Uh-huh. Like it's so true. I loved that idea. Yep. Yeah. It's so true. Cause when you start eating healthier, yeah, you don't want like the super sugary Twinkie or whatever it is. It so- starts not being appealing to you. Did you know that 77% of UTIs are relapse infections? Relapse infections are UTIs caused by old bacteria that survived antibiotic treatment, hidden in the urinary tract, after an initial infection. Thanks to Momotaro Apotheca, you no longer need to stay in the chronic UTI cycle. Their newest UTI super supplement was created specifically for acute and recurrent UTIs. Plant-derived and flora-friendly, their urinary tract and bladder support supplement has ingredients proven in clinical settings to target and remove the pathogens associated with most UTIs from the urinary tract. Their capsules make it easy to prevent and treat infection at the source. Momotaro Apotheca is offering bedside listeners an exclusive discount to their entire Vulva Vaginal product suite, including their newest UTI Super Supplement. Head to momotaroapotheca.com and use the discount code BEDSIDE to access your next best ritual. That's momotaroapotheca.com, discount code BEDSIDE, B-E-D-S-I-D-E. What are like ingredients and consumables here too that we should be looking out for? Like I know I've heard stuff like biotin and supplements is something. Um, like what are things that we consume that kind of might be triggering us? Even though I've heard you say coconut oil before. Yeah. So let's start with like the big things with products. So in terms of like what you're putting on your face. So coconut oil, for example, that is totally great to consume, like eat, 
but you do not want that on your skin if you're acne prone. It will just kind of get in there and and clog those pores. And so many, I think there's been this big shift in the beauty industry, which is amazing over to like clean beauty and um, products that are free of chemicals and that kind of thing. But so many of those brands use coconut-based ingredients like if you turn over a label and you see coconut alkanes, I'm not even sure if I'm saying that right, or even just like coconut oil will be in so many makeup products, that's going to break you out 100%. I'm like screaming because my um, <laughs> conditioner, my conditioner is coconut oil. So mm. is something like conditioner going to affect my skin? Yeah, it can for sure. If you're breaking out, especially if you're breaking out on like your upper back, shoulders, that area definitely need to look at your conditioner ingredients uh, because even though you rinse it out, you know, it's leaving some residue in there after your shower. And most of us aren't washing our hair every single day. So um, it's, it's getting on our pillowcase, you know, you sleep on that at night with your hair and you're moving around and your face is rubbing on where your hair was. So that can, can definitely cause issues. Oh my gosh. Okay. Gonna go look into that. Might make a switch. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So coconut oil is one. Yeah. Coconut oil. Another big one is um, algae or algae-like ingredients. So a common one that you'll see in skincare is called algin. That's A-L-G-I-N, I believe. Kind of similar to coconut oil. If you think of like algae or like a seaweed type thing, it, it's, it has that like gelatinous feel to it. And that can absolutely get in and just clog those pores, but can be totally fine to eat and consume and actually has a lot of great health benefits. But topically, you you don't want it. Just an, another couple big ones in terms of like what to avoid in skincare ingredients. Um, and to be honest, I don't even know exactly what these are. But after reviewing so many products from clients and ClearStem has a great list on their website, the pore clogging ingredients list, which you can easily navigate to. But I would recommend checking all your products there. It's got a comprehensive list of what could be clogging pores. But uh, isopropyl myristate, I see that in so many things. And ethylhexyl palmitate, I believe, are two of the other big ones. Coconut, coconut oil, and also shea butter. And that's a bad one too, that can clog pores. That Those four, I see more than anything else in, in topical products. Wow, that's insane. Um, and yes, to iterate off of this amazing on ClearStem's website, I think even one of their functions now is you can copy and paste the ingredients if you find the product that you buy online or on Amazon or something, like go to the ingredients, copy and paste. On ClearStem's website, you can just put in all the ingredients and it'll tell you either like this is good or they'll highlight a couple ingredients that are pore clogging, which is an amazing function that they created. Yeah. Yeah, that was a game changer because, yeah, you can literally just plug in any product and see what might be causing issues. Crazy. Okay, amazing. I love to hear it. This is so insightful. If you were to say, like, what the main needle movers are, like one to two things for better skin that we can start with today, what would be your biggest, like, thing that we should start right now? One, I would say clean up your products that has to be first and check them all in that pore clogging ingredient list. And I'm talking skincare, makeup, hair care, laundry detergent, literally anything that that could be touching your, your face and causing issues. 
make sure you don't have any uh, pore cloggers in any of those. If you check your products and you find that some of them do have pore cloggers on my Instagram page, I have a free list. It's like a PDF that um, I list all of my favorite acne safe products when it comes to all of those categories. So if you need something to replace one of those, you can, you can check out that list. Honestly, like if you you're doing everything right when it comes to diet supplements, exercise, all of that, but you're using products that contain pore clogging ingredients, you're going to be fighting a losing battle. So start with that. And then I would, I would honestly say blood sugar management is, is another big one, making sure you're eating enough and getting all those uh, balanced nutrients, protein, carb, and fat, and some micronutrients at, during every meal that you have. I think if you if you prioritize protein, because so many of us don't, that will help immensely. And you'll notice feeling better in just energy levels, sleep quality, skin will improve. I think that's what I'd say. I'm also curious to know, do you have any like drugstore favorites or like culprits we should be looking out for? Because like I'm thinking of like for the person who's like, maybe like still looking to get like a bang for their buck. Like what are products that we should, that we can kind of like easily access? Or do you have one on hand in mind that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with CeraVe or like the Cetaphil face wash. Like I'm curious to know. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I would recommend actually fully staying away from Cetaphil. Um, A lot of their products actually can cause acne or contribute to it. Um, But yeah, I know there's so many products out there and everything is expensive when it comes to skincare and makeup. I know. But there is a really good moisturizer from Trader Joe's. I'm, I think it's just called like the ultra hydrating gel. It's very Ooh. lightweight and it's a good, it is acne safe and it's a good, just like daytime moisturizer might not be if you live in like a drier kind of colder climate, it might not be strong enough for the winter, but definitely good for, for the summertime and you know, me living in San Diego and if you're in Southern California. I know we're spoiled. spoiled. (laughs) We're spoiled. But wait, I, I'm so happy that you mentioned a Trader Joe's product because I'm always like, are these good? Like it's always a a crapshoot. I'm like, I don't know if this is like total shit or if it's like the best like dupe I've ever found, you know? (laughs) Yeah, totally. A lot of them are not good, but that one in particular, I mean, I've tried it personally and I do really like it. Um, and then there's a brand that's carried at most drugstores called La Roche-Posay. Love. And they have a really great, just like ultra gentle cleanser that works amazing and won't clog your pores. They have a good sunscreen. I think it's called the like Anthelios something. Don't quote me on that. I've, I've used it before and I, I did like it. Um, but most of their product line is, is safe for acne. Don't, I, I don't know if the entire product line is. So, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of like when you're shopping, if you're at Sephora drugstore, whatever, have that acne safe, um, or have the pore clogging ingredient list from clear stem bookmarked on your phone and type in or Google the product, copy paste the ingredients into that list and see if it, if it will, if it will work for you. But La Roche-Posay in general is, is a good, great brand for skincare and, um, Sunscreen. Okay. This is amazing. So insightful. I'm literally throwing out my Cetaphil face wash and like swapping (laughs) it with a La Roche-Posay right now. (laughs) Yes. You you won't be sorry. (laughs) 
Um, okay, amazing. As we're wrapping up here, I want to know what is currently hanging out on your bedside table. Um, or, you know, for you, it might be more like your bathroom counter or your, your medicine cabinet. What's hanging out there? Yeah. So I am, I'm honestly a minimalist when it comes to skincare and I'm not like a super girly girl. I don't like to have all my like frilly stuff everywhere. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I like to keep it simple, but I have been using the clear stem. I mean, I work for clear stem and I know th- this isn't just a shameless plug because, um, I, I've literally been using the full product line for about five, six years now. And I love it. I mean, I, I will, I have to do my skincare routine every morning and night. That's like non-negotiable for me. Um, but if I had to give you just like one or two products where I'm like, I cannot live without this. It would be the clear stem bounce back serum, which is really hydrating. It's their most powerful anti-aging serum too. It has a triple peptide blend. Um, and it's like this gold shimmery, like really beautiful product. And I'm obsessed with it. Um, so I, I pretty much use that every single day. And then they also just came out with a new, um, like kind of like a thicker moisturizer called the Hydra Berry face mask. Uh, it's called a mask, but you can use it as, as a moisturizer too. So that's what I typically use at night. And that is really good for, for those colder months. Or if you live in a drier climate, it's super, super hydrating. And I think that's where people can get it wrong. Sometimes with acne, it's like you try to dry it out so much, but if the skin is overly dry, it's going to compensate by producing more oil and then it'll just exacerbate the issue. So keeping your skin really well moisturized is key. You heard that here, guys. Keep up the moisturizing. Don't dry it out. Oh my, again, going back to like the OG, like yes. what I did growing up, like my mom was like, oh, you have a pimple, put toothpaste on it. Like, oh my God, it's so cringe. It's so cringe. It's such a, it's such an era. I know. Camille, I'm literally gonna, like, I need a session with you. Like, I'm like, let's, I need to go deep with you and like, you got to overhaul my whole skincare routine. I'd love to. It's my favorite thing to do. We got to do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. This was such a wealth of knowledge. I can't wait for people to just like feel so liberated and excited to kind of like get into this and not feel like it's a it's a doomsday thing. You know, I we literally answered all the listener questions that like people wrote in, but someone did write. They were like, the, you know, one of their main frustrations. They were just like, when will this end? Um, and like, will it? Yes, it will. I know it's just takes like finding the right people and and not giving up everyone can find relief for acne from good. I'm a big believer in that. Um, But believing that that's possible for you is crucial. You have to have that. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me. This was such a treat. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun. So fun. All right, guys, we'll go ahead to all of Camille's links. I'll link them in the show notes. She has such great resources. Go follow her on Instagram and everything. If you love this episode, share it with a friend, leave a five-star review on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your shows. And thanks for tuning in. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Bedside Podcast. If you liked this episode and want to follow along with similar stories and interviews, be sure to check out our Instagram at The Bedside and thebedside.co online. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and of course, share with your friends. It's the best way you can support us and our good sex mission. Thank you for listening.